All right, welcome back to another edition of the Buzz on Business. I am Gabe Tiefenthaler, and we are here with Chad Bailey with Scuba Savvy. Chad, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Good. Feel good to be back in Stillwater? Always. Every chance I get. I enjoy just walking across campus, and the fact that you guys invited me in the spring uh, brings back very fond memories. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Albeit I never parked in the Union when I was here, so that's actually kind of a new experience for me, but uh, yeah. There you go. All right, well... Uh, do you want to just tell us a little about yourself, kind of skim over your resume, what you're doing now, um, what you've been doing? Happy to. Uh, so my name is Chad Bailey. Uh, I own a uh, scuba retail and training and adventure travel business in Tulsa, uh, which we do exactly that. We teach people how to scuba dive. We also sell gear, service gear, and uh, we guide trips all over the world, uh, specifically for scuba diving. Uh, but I graduated from Oklahoma State. Back in 2006, uh, my major was in finance, minor in accounting. Um, and then from there, basically just went traveling around, backpacking, that kind of thing, not really settling down anywhere uh, until I decided that opening a scuba business was what I wanted to do. Finally put my business degree to use, uh, went to work in corporate finance uh, with the express purpose of saving up to do what I'm doing now. So did that for about three, three and a half years. Um, and then we opened uh, the dive shop six years ago last saturday so that's awesome um so what what kind of was that aha moment that you had that you briefly mentioned earlier where you realized that opening a scuba store is what you wanted to do yeah so after i left oklahoma state and i was traveling around i was really just trying to decide what i wanted to do all the job offers that i'd gotten were were decent job offers. Uh, it was before everything kind of went south, you know, for a lot of other people when they were getting out of school. Most of uh, most of my classmates uh, didn't have trouble finding jobs, getting job offers, that kind of thing. But I just couldn't see myself doing any of those jobs. So uh, I was actually out uh, traveling, working as a diver, um, and had pretty much decided that working in diving, at least for someone else, wasn't something that I wanted to do. But when I came back home, uh, and by that I mean moved back to Oklahoma, I found that I was jumping at opportunities to talk about diving with people. And so my, my thought was, well, I didn't like working in tourism at the travel destinations, but if I could... Uh, if I could be in charge of the education side of it and then still take people out diving, that it would still feed that wanderlust for me. So uh, I started working on my business plan and it, it, it probably didn't have one single moment, but it really kind of built and crescendoed uh, just in my time being back here, being away from diving. And I was like, yeah, I definitely want to continue to introduce people to diving. So Scuba Savvy was born. Absolutely. I feel like that's a that's a big kind of entrepreneurial myth and that everyone has that aha moment where they realize sure, it's yeah. more of a build up to yeah it, it's a series of events and opportunities uh you know i i think we've talked about this before but uh it's not lost on me that uh, the sequence of events that led to you know i was able to go out and do that traveling and things like that because i didn't have student loans and so i had the luxury of being able to uh uh put off going into a, a quote unquote nine to five job kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Um, and we talked about that briefly earlier, but, uh, there's kind of two types of people in the world, you know, one that enjoys the nine to five job and one who doesn't. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, no right or wrong. It just, exactly. uh, it, for me, it was, uh, I kind of wanted to be able to set my own schedule and, and, and do that kind of thing. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, well, you mentioned a lot about travel um, and being a scuba instructor. I'm sure you get to do that a lot. 
but what's been the coolest place that you've been to? The, with regards to the diving, uh, the coolest place that I have been is uh, the Philippines. In my travels in general, so before owning the scuba shop, uh, Colombia. Uh, we went backpacking in the jungle in Colombia. Um, it's actually where I ended up proposing to my wife. Uh, and that was by far the coolest thing because it was very, it was what I would actually consider an adventure and that, you know, there were risks involved. It wasn't a catered to type thing. We were uh, in the jungle around indigenous people. Uh, there were nefarious things going on not too far from where we were. So, uh, but the the countryside of Colombia was just phenomenal yeah so. makes it feel more real hey, like it was very yeah it was very much uh, uh, a riskier venture for sure gotcha that's awesome uh, well now we'll get into more of the questions about you as an entrepreneur and kind of your path to get there uh, but being an entrepreneur is obviously hard um, and there's a lot of work that goes into it uh, so what makes you get up every day and keep going and kind of get through that, that those hardships yeah so Overall, I enjoy what I do, um, which I mean, that's a, that's a simple answer and I'm not going to leave it at that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I go do what I do because I've decided to do it. Um, I'm not doing it because someone else has assigned me a project. Uh, at the end of the day, it's my responsibility to figure out what's going to make it work. Uh, and then when you see those successes, you see the fact that we just celebrated six years, like those milestones help you build that momentum. and. and You'll excuse me because I will get cheesy here, uh, but uh, on a much more granular level, like in what we do on a day to day, when it comes to teaching people or introducing people to scuba specifically, I don't get to have that first breath underwater ever again. And it's phenomenal, uh, but it's a it's a very close second to get to be there for somebody else experiencing yeah. it, you know, so that first time that you get to help somebody else take that first breath underwater. It's a surreal experience and they come up all jazzed and excited about it. And, uh, the fact that we get to be the ones that get to be there and kind of have a part in that, uh, really helps. And so those little things on the day-to-day the -day level really help. Uh, but then on a more, you know, uh, macro level, um, just getting to see the fruits of your labor actually produce something that's growing and building. And, uh, we just bought a property in Broken Arrow uh, we're hopefully about to close on a project loan. We're going to be building a, a large facility with our own indoor 15 foot deep pool. And we're really going to be scaling the business up. So, uh, you know, that that's not due to just things that I've done, that pe but people that have come into the shop and associated, uh, with us and invested in us and that kind of thing. So, uh, getting to see that helps you stay motivated, you know, to go do the million things that you have to do, uh, to keep it going. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so like, you obviously you enjoy what you do, but also the the looking forward to milestones that you're hitting and sure. projects you're building and um you get to see the benefit and the impact that that has and that's what keeps you going. Yeah, the for day. sure. That's awesome. Um next, uh what is one thing you wish you'd known before starting your career? So if you came up on any walls that you had to overcome or anything like that that you were just ignorant about at that point in time. It's not nearly the extremes that people told me that it would be, yeah. you know? So, uh, when I would talk to other entrepreneurs and other, uh, people that had started their own businesses, no matter what it was in, I mean, it was a broad spectrum of things. You got people that either said, well, once you take your passion and you turn it, uh, into a job, you know, you don't have your, your hobby anymore. And then I had other people at the opposite end of the spectrum that would say, uh, 
uh, well, you know, when you love what you do, you don't work another day in your life. And, and I didn't have anybody who hit at any kind of gray area middle ground, you know. And, and so for me, what I have found to be true looking back in hindsight is that uh, you get both. And, you know, day to day, it really does kind of fall somewhere in between. Um, because while it is true that there are times when what I do uh, is work, you know, I mean, customers are what we long for, but customers are also who beat you up and, you know, can can make it difficult. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I still get to do what I want to do. I, I can rid myself of those customers that are problem children, few though they may be, uh, if I want to. Uh, and then at the opposite end, you know, uh, there there most certainly are times when it doesn't feel like work. I mean, you and I had kind of a pre-recording call week before last. I was in Cayman Brock when we did that, you know. So for me, I was I very much was working, but I was going scuba diving every day. You know, the the sacrifice I made that day was I skipped the afternoon dive to have my video call with you. So uh, there are people that have uh, much harder uh, sacrifices that they have to make in a in a given workday. And so for me, if someone had just been, you know, real honest with me that, you know, there's going to be days when it's work and there's going to be days when it's not you just have to decide, you have to be realistic, which one's going to outweigh the other. Um, and there have been times, long periods of times, uh, COVID not even withstanding. I mean, besides that, uh, there have been times when there's long drags where there's a lot of things that pile up. It's very difficult. Uh, but the high times are so, so good that they, they outweigh the, the burdens of, uh, of the other, you know, so. They make it worth it. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, nobody was, I either had real cynical people or super optimistic people. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's difficult to know which one is, uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a series of trade-offs, you know, which one outweighs the other. And, and sometimes the negative outweighs the positive. You just have to be honest with yourself about whether you're willing to deal with those or not. Yeah. Would you say it's more of a, a day-to-day back and forth between the, the the good times and the hard times or are they more like week-long segments, month-long segments? Even longer. Hard? I mean, you know, yeah. for me, the, the tough issues have actually been relatively short-lived. Again, uh, COVID notwithstanding, um, you know, we were closed for a month and a half during that period of time. But if you were looking for it, there were ways to mitigate the, those issues, that kind of thing. Um, uh, all in all, you know, we, we have many more good things happening yeah. than, than negatives. You, but you go through spurts where, you know, things pile up and, and uh, you just have to solve problems. And at the end of the day, if it could all be boiled down, I mean, that's what owning your own business is, is it's solving problems. Yeah. You know, it's not just doing projects and, and getting to do, you know, I don't just go scuba diving all the time, yeah. right? Uh, I solve a whole bunch of problems 70, 80% of the time. So that way that 20% of the time I can take people scuba diving. Yeah. Um, and that's where that, for me, that 20% is worth the other, you know, 80%. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in that 80%, um, what is one of the biggest challenges or problems in that 80% that you've come across in your years as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't even say the 80% is bad. The 80% is just the work part that goes into the 20% of the scuba. So I, I want to make sure that I, I frame it appropriately. Um, the the 80% is just the work. I'd say of bad things, I mean, that's only 5 or 10% of my time. Um, but but as far as the the grind, if you will, uh, I would say it's uh, and again, this is going to sound cliche, but no one opens the path for you. I mean, y you assume that if you're doing business with other professionals, whatever their business is that they're in. I always grew up 
and even well into running my business and even somewhat still today, I assume that other people know what they're doing. Yeah. They don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> there, I, I am really, really just now starting to learn that uh, you have to hold a lot of people's hands to get through processes. And a lot of times you just have to claw and grind until an, a door or a window does open uh, because nobody's going to just show it to you uh, either because they don't know that it exists or they don't want to do the work uh, to help you get through it. So it is a lot of being okay with being ignorant, not being the the most knowledgeable person in the room and just being willing to ask a whole bunch of questions until you get an answer that leads you down. Okay, well, there's an opportunity we can we can take advantage of that, you know, uh, but and, you know, specifically in my in my case with trying to grow the business. I mean, we looked at the problem and said, we can't stay the size we are now. We have to get, so it starts there. We have to get bigger. So the follow-up question is that, okay, well, how do we do that? Um, nobody shows that to you because one, in what I do, there's not that many people who do what I do. So uh, you just have to try and carve out those paths. And along the way, you have to have other people's help and they don't even know what it is that, that they, you know, whether it's bankers or investors. And so you just have to, you have to dig. Um, and a lot of times you are the most ignorant person in the room, but the only way you become the least ignorant person is to just keep pushing and asking questions. So uh, the hardest part is literally just sometimes finding where the path is to, to keep going forward because nobody will show it to you. <laughs> And you, you mentioned that there, there's not a lot of other scuba um, businesses that are similar to you. Um, do you feel like scuba savvy is uh, paving the way for others to kind of follow your path? Um, maybe, but but not immediately. I mean, we're such a uh, niche or niche business, if you will, that we are a business for people with disposable income. So it's already a fairly narrow market. And, you know, there are any given city you go to, uh, at least anywhere in, in the States and, and a lot of places around the world, you're going to find dive shops. So I'm not an anomaly. It's just that it's not going to be the type of business that in any given city you're going to see a whole bunch. So, um, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm reinventing any wheels or anything, uh, but... That being said, you know, when I was starting my business, I went to dive shops that I felt were outside of my competitive range so that there was no reason for them to not give me, help me out with information. And I very quickly found out that uh, some people aren't willing to divulge uh, information, even if it is to help somebody that, that's not in their, in their backyard competing with them. Let that never be said of me. Uh, the, the dive shop owners that I went to, I later found out just straight lied to me about the numbers that they gave me that I was trying to build my business plan and my my pro forma statements off of. Um, and once I figured that out, I was like, well, that's kind of a shitty thing. You know, you could have just said, no, I don't want to share that information with you. You didn't have to, to give me false information. Uh, if someone were to come to me, obviously, I would be a little bit leery about where they were potentially opening. But if I was reasonably assured that they weren't opening in my backyard and be competing with me, I would I would open up. I would give them all of the lessons that I have learned, uh, because at the end of the day, what we do is fun. And the more people we can be allowing to have fun uh, and introducing to it, the better. It's good for our industry in general. So have there been uh, a lot of instances of kind of backstabbing in that in that sort of sense? No, in terms of 
sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. In you know, any dive shop you go into, nobody's real happy. I mean, any anybody with a competitor, right? I mean, they're they're not going to have positive things to necessarily say about their competitor. Uh, again, let it never be said of us that we talk ill of of our competitors. Uh, but make no mistake about it, I want every diver within a hundred mile radius of Tulsa. Yeah coming through my dive shop. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say that I would I would speak ill of my competitors. Um, so I, I think probably, and we've had a good working relationship with the other dive shop in Tulsa. Uh, but, you know, I do hear about it, you know, from other shops in, in areas, that kind of thing. The the one-off that I had about the, the guy who gave me bad numbers, again, I, I probably should have gone to more shops in the area than, than just the one but they were the one that I felt was doing it the best. And, and so they were uh, who I really wanted to derive as much information from as I could. So, so yes and no, but no more so than you see in anything else. You know I mean? Uh, you've got your Ford fans, you've got your Chevy fans and they'll just uh, tooth and nail swear <laughs> that what they've chosen is better, you know? So uh, For no specific nobody reason. likes their competitors. Yeah. Uh, but, but like I said, uh, in in our industry in general, the the feeling is just hey, we're all in diving, uh, so let's play nice. Uh, but like I said, make no mistake about it, uh, I, I want every diver coming through my shop. Absolutely, and and since Scuba Savvy is a niche kind of company, and it, with your competitors uh, and there being so few, uh, is there kind of like a go back and forth, like a oh don't cross this line, kind of a quid pro quo that you guys have together in terms of what you can and can't do? No, mainly because we're just not, we just don't cross each other's paths that often. I mean, we live in a day and age now where people have almost made up their minds before they come in anyway. Yeah. So they've gone online, they've done a, a Google search. Uh, it, it's, that is the word of mouth. I mean, I get occasionally, I, I do still get calls that somebody's like, well, so-and-so told me about you, but that's the rarity. The word of mouth is Google. They go on Google, they read reviews, and that is as good as you recommending somebody come to me. Because even if you recommend somebody, they're still going to go read my reviews. <laughs> before. So by the time they call me, they it's we're probably past the point of them deciding who they're going to go to. Now that they've called me, they are calling to get my schedule. Um, so, so I would say, you know, we don't really have these... Uh, and and I've never heard any anything being said ill about us from our competitors or anything like that. I'm sure those lines exist, but we just live in a day and age where I don't have people calling and saying, well, what? and I think that's probably where that would come up if they're calling. So why should we go with you over the other guy? By the time they call me, they've, they've probably already made up their mind uh, where they're going to go. So. We I just there's no need to at that point. I mean, uh, the, if our website our Google AdWords and Google searches and things like that have pretty much done that part of the job for us. Once they come in the door, my persuasion comes in getting them to do more than just get certified with us. You know, uh, they're either going to buy gear or they're going to go on trips with us, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. In that, in that terms of uh, marketing, what's kind of your strategy to get and retain customers? <clears throat> So the getting part really for us, it's because we're small and I don't have a lot of competitors. It's been as simple as uh, uh, Google AdWords uh, does a ton for me. And what you, you know, you used to in an advertising and a marketing standpoint, you had to cast very wide nets. You couldn't measure the success of that. 
Well, with targeted ads on Facebook, Instagram, Google AdWords, those kinds of things, um, you, you can measure, you know, you can measure your click rates and things like that. Um, so that that's really the the baseline underlying. And then the way we keep customers is uh, by the quality of the instruction that we give. So I guarantee when someone signs up a class with us that we keep small student to instructor ratios. So yeah. we cap our classes much lower than what the industry allows for us to do. Um, because at the end of the day, what we uh, what we're what we're really selling is an experience. And so providing the best possible experience by maintaining small class sizes uh, as much one-on-one -on -one time as we possibly can uh, is, is our driving force between keeping uh, clients. To build that relationship. Yep. And yeah, yep. that's good. This is a social thing that we do. Yeah. So once we get somebody in the water, taking them underwater has a very uh, emotional effect on them. <laughs> and so they build trust with someone who is taking them underwater to breathe. Uh, and that's a pretty solid bond that, that is generally established after yeah, that. That, so. that brand loyalty yeah. built is, yeah. is good. Um, kind of like you were saying earlier when it's, it's nice to see other people's first breath underwater, though you won't have that yourself anymore. Exactly. But it's nice to share that experience with them. Exactly. Um, so in, in terms of your work with Scuba Savvy and starting an entrepreneur, uh, what was kind of your mindset going into it that, so that you would never become complacent and that you were always wanting to learn, always thinking proactively, being innovative um, and not just, you know, getting in one scenario and staying in that scenario. Like, oh, I've made some money now. I'm good here. Sure. Um, one is that I saw what happened to I, I came into the business. After the transition, it had already started to take place uh, with regards to utilizing technology. Where dive shops historically have been set up by uh, uh, somebody, if somebody's going to listen to this and, and beat me up over it, but, but it's been older white males have predominantly driven this industry. They were ex-military coming out of the 60s, um, had a very militaristic mindset, militaristic mindset. Uh, nothing wrong with that at the time. That was the industry, but the industry couldn't survive that way. So the industry itself said, okay, we have to make this more inclusive. How can we do that? They made uh, training standards safer, that kind of thing. But, but then as, as uh, technology, smartphones, applications, things like that became more ubiquitous, a lot of these guys that had owned shops for 30 and 40 years were not on board with shifting from uh, an in-person, tactile, open book type learning environment to, hey, people are doing this on their phones. Um, there's no reason not to be doing this. And a lot of those guys refused. I sat in specifically on a meeting at a dive shop well before I had mine, where the dive shop owner asked the guy giving the presentation on how the app would work. He said, am I going to have to go online and register this? The guy said, yeah. And he said, I won't do it. And he said, well, but we're going to be able to read. And he just cut him off. He was like, I won't do it. And so that was one of my smaller aha moments that said, there's going to be an opportunity in this area in the not too distant future uh, because I'm sitting there going, well, this is how I would like to do it. I didn't want to have to do it in a book. And so I've had the luxury or the benefit of being able to watch someone specifically be blind to something. Uh, and so just trying to keep that in mind, we try to say, OK, what new is coming down the pipe? You know, just trying to keep your ear to the ground with what changes is, is the industry? What changes are the industry making? And uh, 
trying to be open to them. Uh, you know, we talked about people are averse to change. Uh, if a sidewalk is shut down on your path that you normally walk to class, it'll ruin somebody's whole day, right? So uh, we, we are all naturally inclined to be averse to change. Uh, so just being aware of that for one, uh, but, but we've at least had the, uh, I've had the benefit of watching what happens when people are blind to it and that shop is no longer here, you know? And it's probably a series of things. It's not just that. Uh, but, but that is one leading thing. So, uh, just having seen other shops fail just because they refuse to adapt, uh, we, we hope to not be that way. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and being adverse to change is very, <laughs> um, commonplace for a lot of people that I know, uh, in terms of you going forward with your business, how do you, uh, feel you're going to do the same, you know, being, uh, able to learn, able to uh, think proactively and still be innovative in uh, your field? So it keeping that in mind, when we came across the problem of we can't stay this size, we, we to continue on, we have to grow uh, and we have to get into our own pool because we've been beholden to other people's resources. And so I started looking for dive shops around the country that had already done this and done it well. Uh, I called them and I said, what mistakes did you make? What would you have done differently? You know, hindsight being 2020. And to a person, they all said, if you're going to build a pool, you have to build a swim school. And I fought back because I'm averse to change. Um, and I said, hey, we're not in the business of swim. We are in the business of scuba. That's what I know. It's what I'm good at. Um, again, you know, uh, your, your initial instinct is to, is to fight and ah, that'll be different. It, it's new. We're not good at that. And so I told the guy, I said, listen, there's a swim school in Tulsa that has been here for, you know, decades. Um, we don't have any business going toe to toe with them. And he said, I'm telling you, if you don't start a swim school, you're, you're not going to be successful. It won't, it won't pay for your pool. And so I said, well, these people have been doing this a long time. They must know what they're doing. So let's start. So again, back to what I was saying earlier, you say, okay, well, here's an opportunity. What do I need to find out about that? So I start asking for cash flows um, from uh, some of these places that had done their own swim schools. And it became very apparent very quickly that based off the population where we were, there was no reason why this couldn't work if it was done well. Uh, and so that changed our whole outlook as to where we're headed, which is why we have bought a bigger property and, and where we're going to be going. So uh, that that's going to be our biggest change. That's where we're headed uh, with the swim school, uh, the scuba diving. That's all going to allow us to expand our travel uh, as well as our retail. So the, the swim school is what's going to allow us to just take everything and, and blow it up a little bit bigger. Yeah, so. that's awesome. In terms of looking to the future, how far into the future do you look and do you plan out? Right now, and you know, I'm sure that there are uh, classes on how you should be doing this, but for us specifically, we're looking about three years out right now. Um, I dream about 10 and 15 years out what it looks like, but but what we're really planning for is is probably two to three two to three years out right now. We are our focus right now is this building uh, with the swim school, and then we've got some. We've got some dreaming on the backside of that, but but that's we got to get that done first. So that's in our planning stage right now. Yeah. All right. To kind of close up, what is one tip, uh, one Chad Bailey tip that you can give to an up and coming entrepreneur? You have to keep pushing. Uh, there are times early on where it just feels like you're not going like 
you're only going to run into walls. It feels like every thing that should just be a little thing becomes an exponentially larger problem than what you anticipated. And going back to that theme that nobody's going to open the door for you, if you push long enough and hard enough and you get a little bit lucky, because a lot of people don't get lucky and they they fail, and not, not due to their own lack of effort or anything like that, you just sometimes the cards just aren't in your favor. But if you push long enough and hard enough, you'll get past whatever that issue is. And then that momentum helps you get to another one. But uh, so many people, I think, were probably right on the verge of success and it just weighed them down. And they finally said, this isn't worth it, you know, and they stepped away from it. Uh, where if they'd have pushed just a little bit longer, you know, uh, it, it might have made the difference. But uh, there's a cost reward there. Uh, sometimes it's not worth it. But uh, I, I've found that at the times when I was about to have an emotional, well, I did have emotional breakdowns, the next day something opened up, you know, something that I'd been pushing on. And I finally just said, I'm, I'm not going to get past this. Something finally, one of those buttons I pushed finally, you know, got got me through on that one. But uh it's just hard <laughs> at the end of the day. Sometimes it's just hard and you have to, you have to push past the suck. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That's a great tip. I feel like a lot of, a lot of people that I know specifically, and even myself included, like to uh, be adverse to change and bow out when things get, get too tough. All right. Well, that was uh, Chad Bailey's. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you can find us at scubasavvy.com uh, or on Facebook or Instagram. We always post pictures from our trips and uh, come check us out. We may have a trip you want to go on. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for listening to our latest edition of the Buzz on Business. You can find us on Podbeam, uh, Apple Music, or Spotify. And as always, fi- follow us on social media as well as the Riata Center for Entrepreneurship. Thank you.